0: Welcome to the Ohio Ministry Network podcast. The following audio was recorded at the 2014 Synergy Conference held in Gahanna, Ohio at Pathway Church. For more information, please visit our website, ohioministry.net.
1: Thank thank you. Um, Again, as he said, my name is Gary. Uh, We just uh, moved to uh, Ohio. We uh, moved from... Florida, and uh, we brought the wonderful winter that you got this year. That was our little gift to you. Uh, but we moved in June, uh, and this is, I'll let these guys introduce themselves, uh, but we've been there since June, and I'll, we'll go after that. My name
0: My name's Mark Peccia. I've been a member of Highway Tabernacle since 1987. I've been a board member uh, going on my fifth year in a row now, and I had a couple years back in the beginning of 2000.
2: Andy Ibert, uh 1998 uh, my fifth year also as a board member missions director a lot of fun stuff
1: so just for us to kind of have an understanding of could, how are, are there any board members here if you're a board member well I guess that settles that uh, I guess we'll have to take a vote. All in favor, aye. You know, we'll, we'll move from there. Why don't we do this? Let's pray, and then we'll just kind of start and uh, set things up. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for the body of Christ. Thank you for men and women who would uh, give of themselves and their time and uh, be dedicated and sacrificially give to the things of God uh, in their lives. And I thank you for the men and women who are here today. And, God, we pray that... Uh, you'd be here with us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you because more than just a session, more than just a topic, we want to welcome you to be here with us and uh, strengthen our hearts, encourage us. And I pray that God, something that is said today, either from one of us with a microphone or from someone else in the room, uh, would be a real source of encouragement, a real source of direction and hope. And God, may your body be strengthened uh, by what is said and done here today. And we ask it in Christ's name. And everyone said... Amen, amen. Thank you. Uh, just think, we should s- start by uh, saying we we didn't. We, we do have some things that we want to share, but uh, hopefully, uh, with uh, Pastor John's help, uh, there will be some some questions and our answers are not uh, on the uh, on the premise of expertise at all. Uh, we're we're not generals, but we are soldiers who actually just have come through uh, some major transition. And uh, we'll share from our perspective some of the things that we 've learned, and uh, i I came in at the end of the pastoral transition, obviously as the new pastor. These guys had to walk through it. Uh, highway uh, went through pretty pretty tough transition uh, uh, there were a lot, of, uh, a, lot of feelings, uh, a lot of a lot of feelings, a lot of a lot of emotions stirred up through all of that and uh, these guys will tell you that uh, felt like at times through that process that uh, highway was pretty volatile, pretty fragile. Uh, got an incredible amount of help from the Ohio Ministry Network, from the leadership that is here. And uh, so we'll just kind of walk through some of those steps. Uh, got, uh, got a lot of insight from uh, some great interim pastors. Uh, Dr. Roden being the primary interim pastor for us, so we'll talk about that. So let me just share a little bit uh, of uh, what I think the primary uh, beginning of transition has to be. And and I know that I'm speaking, not everyone's a board member, uh, and that's great because it takes a lot more than that to get through the process. But I think one of the primary uh, uh, characteristics that has to be in the hearts of the people going through the transition and has to be conveyed to the people in the body, whether it's, uh, uh, we're talking primarily about the transition that we went through, and that's a major church, but whatever the trans, transition may be, is the theme of hope, the absolute theme of hope. There has to be conveyed. Uh, I think these men were good at doing it, and uh, uh, our, our transition out of the church we left in Florida but there has to be in the, in the minds and in the mouths of those who are walking the church through the transition hope. What I mean by that is there has to be the constant reminder, uh, this is a transition, and we're going to get through it, and we're going to be better. This is a transition, and we're not just trying to reestablish what we once were. We're going to get through this transition, and uh, we're going to get better. And. Um, We're going to find our way uh, to health, and it's not about the numbers. It's about the body being healthy, and then everything else sort of takes care of its uh, its own. It kind of finds its way out into the circumstances. Um, I won't share the whole story, but uh, when it comes to hope, um, this church, Highway Highway, just a flagship church for the district. Is that fair enough to say? Uh, Maybe not flagship, but a a vital part of the district, and and God had used them over the years to establish um, other churches and uh, other prior leadership had been strong. Any of you ever heard of Pastor Alford, uh, who was there for for a lot of years? So you all know uh, the part that he played. Our story for the transition is uh, we we had been pastors in... uh, Florida. We had been lead pastors for 18 years at one church, and um, we'd been on staff there for eight and a half years. And uh, I think this, not because we were the answer, uh, but because of what it did for us, this is where hope kind of plays in. Um, The presbyter from the district called me uh, about Easter time last year and was asking about churches going through transition. And um, he he asked us about, my wife and I said, you know, there's a great church up here called Highway. You and Rhonda ought to consider that. Uh, And I said, sure, we'll consider that. And it was a flat-out lie uh, because uh, what I meant was is we'll pray, and if God, if lightning strikes the living room while we're in the bedroom, we'll assume he's saying something. Uh, So we didn't too much. I didn't say a lot to my wife. But after uh, Easter, the interim pastor at the time, Dr. Roden, called And uh, something just happened in that conversation that at least made us willing to be open. Uh, I'll give you the really short story. Here's, Here's why hope is so important. Hope makes room for supernatural. And transition without supernatural invention becomes a business that can just as easily wreck as it can survive. Does that make sense? And we... We uh, agreed to come up and speak at the church and I'll talk about that process and these men can certainly jump in on that, but we agreed to come and speak at the church but I actually came to Highway in Youngstown under the uh, umbrella God was going to reconfirm my call to Venice where we had been. We were just opening up uh, extension site of a college, just opening up a new service. We had a lot of vision for the future, so I just thought if, we, if I'd be willing to come God would stir our hearts for there. Uh, when we got there, we went through the service and, and uh, met with the board at the end. And one of the, the, the oldest member of the board, right? Ralph is the oldest member of the board. Ralph looked at me and said, so, Pastor Gray, he said, why would you consider coming to Highway? Uh, not that Highway was—it's uh, just why would we consider leaving where we were and leaving Florida and coming to Ohio— because apparently people think that the weather is better in Florida. I'm not certain why that seems that way. But uh, we just think the weather is perfect in Ohio, especially this winter. But we, uh, uh, we, I answered the question and I said to him, um, if God called me to Africa, I'd go to Africa. If God called me to New Mexico, I'd go to New Mexico. So if God called me to, uh, called us to Ohio, we would come. And uh, my wife's answer was, oh, we're just on a wild goose chase following the Holy Spirit. Has anyone ever read Mark Batterson's book, Wild Goose Chase? If you have, yeah? It's a, it's a great book about uh, following the lead of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's all she said. We left the meeting. We were having to fly back because at that point, no one in our family even knew that we were just seeing if God was in this. And we're standing by the car, uh, Getting ready to leave, and I was, I was, I wasn't depressed, but I was pretty discouraged that God had not given a clear signal. We liked the people at Highway, thought the men on the board were great, uh, saw a lot of potential, but God didn't give us a clear signal. This is 20 minutes after Rhonda told the fellow, uh, the fellows on the board that, you know, we're just on a wild goose chase following the Holy Spirit, and I was standing there thinking, God, all I asked you for was a signal, something to say it was you, while I'm standing at the back of the car. Uh, changed back into my jeans, ready to get on the plane. We hear this noise. And we turned and looked. And a single wild goose swooped down. And he glided across the parking lot. And he landed 30 feet in front of us. And he never shut up. Not for a second. He never stopped honking. And it was so—it kind of, it's one of those things that makes the hair stand up on your arm. My wife giggled, and I didn't think it was funny. Because I knew... <laughs> I'm not kidding, it was spooky to me. I knew it was God, and I thought, oh no, this changes everything, at least in the process. The reason I'm sharing that, and I won't bore you with the rest of the story, uh, this church and this transition team under the leadership of Dr. Roden really had embraced hope. And we kind of embraced hope, and it made room for the supernatural. It made room for God to do something. And I think the beginning of any transition is not just the need, is not just the strategy, but if the underlying foundation is not hope, then you're going you're to make a business decision that could just as well wreck as it could, could survive. Um, so that's kind of the process that we had. Now, uh, I'll let you guys share a little bit about the process for you, and then we'll see if John wants to ask us any.
0: Again, I'm Mark Pecky. I'm one of the deacons, and I've I've been, again, uh, on the board for about the past five years. And this transition journey started back in September or August of 2012. <sighs> wow, I mean, it's it was a um, a very tough, probably the hardest thing that I've that I've ever gone through. Now, I'm 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 not, I'm just a a member of a church. That was, uh, and I understand the whole, you know, I am a the deacon, I am a gift from God voted in by the members of the body to serve the pastor and, and help the pastor. That's, that's, our, that's our job. Um, and all, I can speak for myself and, and I know the others, I love Highway Tabernacle. I, I love that church. I love the people in that church. And... My job was to serve pastor and, and serve Highway Tabernacle. We are servants is, is, is what our job is. Tried to do it to the best of our ability and always listening for God. And, and I'm, I'm not gonna be one of these super spirits that hears God and all that kind of stuff. But I will tell you back in August of 2012, I heard from God and, and, and it was so strong a voice. And through the whole process, I heard him speak to me twice and it wasn't an audible, but I knew without a doubt that what we were doing was the right thing and what we were going through. It was both the most stressful and most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and I am uh, a, an operations manager in, with a power company and deal with unions and that pales in comparison to what I went through because of the emotional, these were friends of mine, you know, the, 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 the transition involved a close friend of mine. Uh, so this was very emotional and hurtful and the um, toll that it took on my family and all. So it was on one side the most difficult thing, but with the Lord, knowing that the Lord was, I was in his will, it was also the, the closest I've ever been to God in my life. Um, it, it was amazing. I relied on him for everything to get me through, through the stress so it was, again, the most difficult thing, yet the most rewarding thing for me personally, uh, was just listening to, for God's voice the whole time and His guidance, making sure that as a deacon we stayed uh, in His will and made sure we stayed within the process. And once the process started, uh, it was a call to Pastor John Wooten uh, that really started it after we had already done our part in the board Pastor Wooten and the support of the, the Ohio Ministry Network was uh, they were they was it was huge. We couldn't have done it without them. Uh, we didn't know as a board what what we had, what support we had, what help we had, what we needed to do. We we weren't sure. We had never never gone through this. We started out with we had seven board members. We started out and we voted and uh, you know uh, voted for uh, uh, made a a motion and voted for resignation of our past. We ended up with um, five board members after the whole interview process and transition and everything. We ended up with five board members. Within a month, we lost two of them. So we were down to three board members in the church with the help of, it started out with uh, uh, Dr. Benson came in first, uh, the, Wayne Benson, the interim, our, our first interim pastor. Now, we had three interim pastors The whole transition time till Pastor came in. Uh, Pastor Wayne Benson came in first. uh, Dr. Roden came in second, and Pastor Griswold came in third, last, and helped us with the transition. In Uh, it was God helping. I mean, He gave us exactly who we needed at the time that we got them. And I don't know if the the Ohio Ministry was network was that smart or not, but they gave us exactly. What we needed. Dr. Benson, you know, from Emerge Ministries, dealt with, you know, hurt, and, and that's what we needed at that time, and he helped us through that phase. And then Pastor Benson, or Pastor Roden, came in, and, uh, you know, we called him our healing balm. And it was because there's still <laughs> some lingering things, things we felt we were okay with, and he helped us work through the process the hiring process, the, the uh, search process, all of that. He worked with us, with us through that. And then uh, Pastor Griswold came in, and it was almost like the, uh, the general manager. He came in and helped us organize everything for the final stage. So it was, it was a perfect uh, help from for the network. We couldn't have done it without them. think you want to, before
1: we start going through some nuts and bolts?
2: Yeah. Uh, I was in the other camp, so to speak. But there was no way I was leaving Highway Tabernacle. I'd gotten saved there. My family had gotten saved there. I love that wonderful work of God's been out there for almost 80 years, and it's my church family. And I can remember, you know, when when something a transition like this happens, it's like jumping off a cliff, and you don't know where the bottom is. But uh, I called Mark one one uh, day, and uh, he said he's sitting there waiting for somebody to call him, and I'm making a phone call wondering if if he's even going to take my call. But we got together, started working together. And, uh, you know, from that point forward, you know, I I think we just moved forward very solidly. And Pastor was talking about, you know, hope and having the supernatural be a part of this. From the very beginning, uh, a lot of lay people jumped in And, you know, made things work, made things, uh, you know, happen that had to happen, you know, every day. Kept the doors open and, you know, classes taught and, you know, whatever needed done. And we could maintain, but we all knew that we need the anointed leadership of a pastor. We needed pastoral leadership. And so when the board was reconstituted, because I was not on the board at that time, Uh, We all knew from the very beginning that if we kept our hearts and minds open that we would find the shepherd that God had for us.
1: And can I just work through a few nuts and bolts before you do some questions here? Let me give you this. Uh, This is what happened at the Ohio, at, at Highway Tabernacle through the Ohio Ministry Network actually totally changed the process for our church in Venice that we left. We'd been there 18 years, um, and our leaving was a total shock to the body, but it was a good thing. They weren't mad at us, they weren't happy to see us go, which is a good thing. Well, most weren't happy to see us go. There's always a few, I think, but uh, it was a good process. But they had no idea what the transition would look like, which is kind of why I was grateful to get this opportunity, uh, because no one had ever kind of walked us through that and the passing the baton, the manual. Do you make that available or, or anyone could get to that, study it ahead of time?
3: Well, usually it's by case by case. But Okay. We've had 30 networks ask us
1: for it. Oh, well, they have it in Penn, Florida now. It's Kind of not. Uh, uh, the church that we left, we, I, I was able to give them the Ohio Ministry Network and they were to take things from it. But I, I just want to say just a couple of nuts and bolts things. Uh, the primary interim pastor is uh, just one of the best on the planet at it, Dr. Roden, who was here, uh, who was at, at Highway. But here we go. First, the first decision in this kind of process, I think one of the first decisions and one of the best first decisions, I've checked with these two guys before I said this, is to find an interim pastor. Find an interim pastor. Uh, my experience, my conversation with other gifted le- leaders has, has sort of led me to believe that the best thing a church in transition can do is find a qualified interim pastor. I'm sure that from finances and for other reasons, uh, there's temptations to just try to handle it on their, on their own. Uh, but Highway got an interim pastor. Ended up with the primary interim pastor who taught this church. Who I was able to take those uh, pieces of information, took them to Venice. The first thing they did when we resigned, uh, actually before we resigned, they found an interim pastor so that there was uh, absolute leadership. And there's a couple of reasons why uh, that that's important. Um, what do you, you guys want to say anything else about the? You want to say anything about the interim pastor process?
0: Are you going to talk about not using you know the pastor on staff? Kind of stuff? Well, I don't yeah, want to
1: say yeah. Go ahead. It's okay if I do that.
0: Well we had no idea again we had no idea what we could do not doing we we were getting um, uh, advice from the Ohio Ministry Network and the interim pastor you know for us you know we had people on staff that we that we liked and thought had a potential of maybe becoming senior pastors now this is our transition our story it it may not fit may every different. church fair enough yeah. but it 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 fit highway tabernacle for the time for what we were going through that's how it that's how it works so I can only speak to that, but there was there was pastors on staff that we thought could do a great job leading us through this transition, and maybe being the senior pastor. We were advised by Pastor Rowan that that wasn't, and as we went through it, we trusted that we trusted him. And as it turned out, that that is there's a lot of good godly wisdom there in uh, for in, interim pastors for us not having an interim pastor that was local that had no connection to the body whatsoever worked very well for us, you know, keeping that separate so that there's no sides or, you know, no, uh, it doesn't look like there's any sides being taken. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. You know, so, so yeah, the interim was, you know, look for somebody not connected was huge.
2: And when Mark said there was staff, we had a youth pastor who had been on staff for two weeks and two part-time pastoral staff. Yeah. And uh,
1: So I asked Dr. Roden, I said, Dr. Roden, tell me, what should I sh- say to board members and other pastors and leaders? What should you look for when you're going to find an interim pastor? He said, number one thing, look for someone with a fathering spirit. Look for someone with a fathering spirit. doesn't necessarily have to be an older or a retired person, but quite frankly, soldiers who've been through the battles of, and the wars that still have a sweet, sweet spirit full of hope, they know how to father a church. They know how to settle a church. Another thing is uh, interim pastors are not guys who can't hack it as a lead pastor, and they just preach on the weekends. Interim pastors, uh, they actually, one, they they lead the board meetings. Yes. That all the staff becomes accountable to them, uh, and uh, they, they, do, they, they lead the church. They become the pastor. I think that it's dangerous for a church that's used to being a pastor run church to suddenly become a board run church and instead of one head there becomes five or six and the interim pastor fixes that.
0: From a board member perspective, we were getting every day, every week we were getting emails and questions from the staff and people, you know, asking us to do things. We all had jobs. It was not that's not our job to run the church. We did not want it. I know there's some churches that the board wants to run the church. We absolutely did not want to. So the interim pastor was a blessing for us that he can take that burden off of us and run the church. And he ran the staff meetings. He made the decisions, same decisions that a senior pastor would make day to day. It was a huge help for us.
1: That's here. I can tell you that in Venice, when we elected, when when the board elected an interim pastor, everybody on staff went, because up to that point, which board member do you deal with? You have to deal with everybody's personalities and all that. Everybody that was on staff at the church in Florida, as soon as they got uh, Dr. Golden came in to be the interim pastor, from that moment on there came a peace. You know Charles Golden? Oh man, we were classmates. He never told me that. (laughs) He did an absolutely uh, amazing job, incredible communicator, but he led the church. He didn't just preach on Sundays. I think that's what I learned in this process. I thought a uh, there's an interim pastor theology or philosophy that says get a guy to fill the pulpit on Sunday. That couldn't be farther. F- nothing could be farther from right. Dr. Golden came in, and as soon as he did that, the board all took a sigh breath. They still had to work hard.
0: Absolutely. And I know
1: that's the case with Dr. Roden, but everybody on staff suddenly found peace. And that, and that when the board and the staff are at peace... The whole church begins to settle down, and then you can work through problems, and you're not on on such defensive uh, stance. I have some more little nuts and bolts, but maybe there's some things that... Okay, another thing from Dr. Dr. Roden. He said, interim pastors are like foster parents, and they have to understand it's for a season. It's not forever. Uh, they have to be willing to take that stance. They have to have no intention. This, is, this was Dr. Roden's suggestion. They need to have no intention of becoming the, the long-range pastor uh, because if, if that pastor needs, uh, here's how he said it, if, the, if their primary need is the emotional bump that they get from being in front of people every week, then they're the last guy you want to be your interim pastor. John Maxwell said, if you need it, you can't lead it. Uh, and so he, he just, having that foster parent mentality is really good. You're willing to lay down your life for him, but you know it's just for a season. Uh, and Dr. Dr uh, Roden continued to tell Highway periodically, I'm just here for a while. Don't get too attached. I'm, I'm, I'm the leader. I'll do everything I can, but I'm, I'm not the long-range guy. And then he gave, um, and, and this, is some, this might be good stuff to hold on to for the future because it, it, it worked not only at Highway. We adopted this model in Venice, and it totally uh, it worked perfectly. The financial arrangements for the interim pastor. Um, if, you, if you have the mindset, are you all still okay? Are we okay? Shake your heads or something. All right. Uh, if you have the mindset that you have a hired gun for a sermon on Sunday, um, it, it kind of undermines the, the process and the potential of what an interim pastor can do. If you have the mindset that we're bringing in a shepherd for a season, who will run the board meetings, who will uh, make, st- uh, make the staff accountable, who will also preach to the church and bring uh, food, spiritual food to the church— then you treat them differently. Here's here's Doctor I mean Doctor uh, Roden's um, suggestion, and I and like I said, it worked perfectly for us. Uh, the interim pastor would likely be about half the normal salary for the pastor minus benefits. Let's just take uh, let's just take like a Ohio Ministry Network, like two hundred fifty thousand a year,
0: <laughs> give or take. Plus five.
1: benefits. So, the interim pastor would get 125000 a year, to, uh, and then they'd just break it up into the weeks that he's going to be there. Not benefits. Then you, then, then you take care of his expenses. So, it's half, approximately half of the interim pastor's salary minus, minus benefits, then uh, the expenses of that, that interim pastor, because like Dr. Roden would have to fly in or drive in every week. Uh, and then... This suggestion, too. Here's Now, in Venice, we did it a little differently. Dr. Roden said, the Highway, the Sundays that he wasn't there, give him half of what was normal. And that kind of kept him connected to the church he was still leading. In Venice, they adopted this. And I, I appreciated their mind, and I didn't, uh, certainly didn't push for this. But when they went in that direction, I didn't pull back either. They said, here's... Here's what we were paying you, Pastor Gary, $250,000, give or take, a lot. <laughs> uh, but here's what we were paying you. Half of that minus—we'll we'll do that, and we'll split that. But we're going to pay him every week, even if we bring in uh, someone else, because we don't want to foster the mentality that we have a hired gun. We want to serve the, men- the mentality that this is our shepherd, and we want, we want to treat him like our shepherd— and when they treated him like a shepherd, it really made him ministering to them like a shepherd work much, much easier. Make sense? Okay.
3: And, uh, you know, I just want to just try to bridge this a little bit, and then I'm going to make a couple comments. But notice what Pastor said early on, hope. Hope. Big peace. Notice what Mark said, that uh, there was a void, but, but a lot of people stepped up. A lot of people stepped up. Okay, And notice what Andy said. He said that he was in the other camp. I'll let you ask him about that after the session. Uh, but he communicated, he called and said, let's talk. Understand? Okay, now we're dealing primarily with a pastoral transition, but let's look at other projects in the church. How important is hope? when you're getting ready to go through a major transition, uh, uh, you know, ministry transition, focus transition, whatever, how important is it to believe that God can raise people up, you know, to, to fill some of the gaps and so forth, and how important is communication? How important is it? Hey, I don't know that I feel the same way about this you do, but let's talk. Let's, let's get together and converse. So uh, we would want them to move back into the, the transition, the pastoral transition piece for just a moment. Uh, Pastor Gary's brought up some great points. Uh, for us, an interim is a temporary shepherd, a temporary shepherd. And we feel in Ohio, our, our mantra has been, every church needs a shepherd every church needs a shepherd. It doesn't need a guest speaker on Sunday morning. It doesn't need someone just to come in and come out to, quote, preach. They need a shepherd during that time of transition. And for us, uh, we would use a similar thing that we want them to get as involved in the church as they possibly can. A board meetings, staff meetings, pastoral care, you know, whatever that might mean in that local setting, we want them to become part of the fiber of that church. You use the word foster. I think that's a great parallel for a temporary basis, for a temporary basis. And we want the church to think in terms of compensating them with the goal that they're going to give them, you know, a salary. They're going to give them mileage. And then if it is a distance that they're going to put them up in a motel or provide housing for them, while they're there. So a uh, similar thing. And then with the uh, thing with what Pastor Mark brought up, we always have to think in terms of during a transition, we think in terms of the pastor being gone or his wife being gone. Okay. But we think, well, who's going to preach? Well, pastor didn't just preach. He did a lot of other stuff too and who's going to pick all that stuff up you know the pastor's wife she well she led the quilting group on tuesday night and they they were working on a new quilt for the mission's thing or whatever you know well no that's not all she did she did this this is and then sometimes the pastor's family you know is very involved in the church and all of a sudden now you just don't have one or two you've got 8 10 15 things that who's going to carry that stuff you know and our philosophy there would be that either A, God is going to bring someone in that's going to help with that, or for a season, the church probably's not going to do that. And that's hard sometimes, you know, but but if you don't have a qualified person to handle that, then maybe for that season, you just need to say, well, we're just not going to do that right now. Because no need in putting someone that's not qualified, no need to putting someone who really doesn't want to be there in it, that's not going to be healthy. So if there's not a qualified person. And then with the communication piece, whether it be a pastoral transition or whether it be you know, any any kind of major change, how important is communication? How important is it to come? Let us reason together. Come, let us talk. Let's 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 stay on the same page here. So uh, uh, I wonder today if in this group, anybody have any questions? Any, any nerves that have been hit that you just you know you you just want to shoot a question up here before we go a little bit farther? Anyone? Yeah, right back here. Thank <laughs> Yeah, and I think that, that Mark and, and Gary were speaking in terms of using an interim pastor that is currently on your staff or currently a part of the church. And we probably have, a, I won't say a, other philosophies, why we would not recommend that. Uh, but uh, it is good to have someone that, that's not really a part of the fiber that, that can really lead the church during that transition. And part of our thing is you, you've hired a youth pastor to be the youth pastor. And if you begin to ask him to be well, the lead pastor for that time... He's no longer going to be the youth pastor. You know, you hired a CE person to do CE, and now you want them to preach every other week on Sunday morning. Well, now they can't do CE the way you've asked. So they've got a call on their life. Let them fulfill that call instead of moving them into a role that's really not their call for that season. And then the the past part of that is if one of those staff members begins to develop a relationship in the eyes of some people, they start preaching on Sunday morning, they vicariously become the lead pastor for that season. Okay? So then vicariously, six, nine, twelve months later, you bring the lead pastor in. There's people that are going to be going to that staff person because for the last nine to twelve months they've been going to them for their challenges, for their situations, but now you need to redirect their loyalties. Some can redirect. Some will not be able to redirect their loyalties. So they're not coming into Pastor Gray now. Hey, is Pastor So and so I need what do you well, I got a problem with this? Well, no, we want their loyalties to be with the new pastor, not with a, an associate. And then it causes a problem between you and possibly that associate yeah. that we could have avoided if that staff pastor had not been given the mantle for temporary, that, that interim role. So those are some of the dynamics that we've discovered in the period we've been, you know, helping our churches and so
1: forth. So Can I say, too, that, uh, and I don't want to wear it out too much, but the difference between... Um the transition at highway and the difference between the church that we left in Florida, uh, was one, one was in great, great turmoil for, for different reasons. But when we left Venice, it was, um, it was a really healthy thing. My point being both places desperately needed an interim pastor and the interim pastor changed the whole process. In fact, highway took nine months And almost nine months to the day, the church in Venice took. And it was the most uh, beneficial nine months that you can imagine just because they separated from... They worked through some of the conflict. They worked through some of the issues. They separated from some of that and attached themselves to a future. Uh, That happened in Venice. It wasn't conflict they were separating from, but, you know, just getting their, their self sort of detached and growing up. So... I, think that inter- I don't think you can underestimate the power uh, of having an interim pastor. And I never knew that until this process started. I, I, would have, I would have been on the side saying, let's save the money. You know, if I would have said, let's save the money, you know, if a church had asked me, you've got good people in place, save the money, don't pay for an interim pastor. I, th- I think that that, even financially, it won't take long before that begins to...
3: And our, our, our mantra there, and, and Mark and Andy probably heard it, we do not feel the church is spending money on an interim. They're investing money. You're not spending money, you're investing money. And there's a difference. You're making an investment in the future of that church. And uh, it's still going to be a fraction of what you would pay a full time pastor, but it's an investment, not an expense.
0: One of one of our first meetings, you talk about the time. Uh, I, I believe one of the first meetings after uh, the the very first meetings we met at. Uh, you, I remember. I think it was you or Pastor Wooten told us it was going to take. It could take a year to eighteen months, and we're thinking, oh no, we can't. This thing can't drag out eighteen months. You know, we're we've been no, we got to get through this thing. We're ready. You know, the people that stayed, you know, we had a, we had a split, not an actual down the middle split, but we lost uh, probably a hundred people, hundred members from the church during this time. And, and our mindset is, well, well, we have the people that want to be here. We're ready to move. Let's go. Um, <laughs> there was things we didn't know that we had, hurts and things that we had to deal with, and we had to work through the process. And it took... You know, before you know it, nine months is here. You know, just to work through the process took that long, but it was a healthy – it was the right thing to do, absolutely. Yeah. Just,
2: it, just it, had the- it really was because the, the manual that the ministry network puts out, it forces you to think about things that you often take for granted. Uh, it's so methodical in, in the approach that, you know, all the, all the little things that you just take for granted, you, just, you have to really – Think about and consider.
1: Can I offer a uh, a paradigm shift in looking for a new leader? Uh, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure if the passing the baton addresses this, but it happened to me personally, and then uh, we got some help with using this process in Venice. The, the typical process is. Uh, you become a filter. Everybody sends their resume and you filter through that. And I can tell you right now, it burns search committees out. Going through this, going through that. You still have to go through resumes. But what Dr. Roden did and what we were encouraged to do in Venice is switch from being a filter to being a scout. The difference being filter is we put the word out, we've got this great need and everybody sends their resumes, and it's amazing. If you are on a beach city in Florida, everybody has heard the call of God we, before they put the word out. And it was—it's not the greatest church in the world. I, I don't mean to imply that. It just happened to be in Florida near a beach, and before they had one hundred and five resumes before they sneezed. Uh, and if if you are going to go through all of that, uh, that filtering system. But what they determined to do was scout, start look, praying God show us. Uh, who has what you've helped us see we need and start looking for that person and that's a whole different thing that's what happened with uh, Dr. Roden and Highway uh, we didn't know we were looking God knew what he had in plan but the difference between a filter system and a scout system is it's, it's much less it doesn't suck nearly as much life out of the people involved in the process um, and I think in that getting ready to scout, there's a couple of things that uh, maybe can go without being said, but uh, uh, you need to establish what your non-negotiables are. Uh, this is the first thing we did in Venice is they the, the board went through and what do we what do we have to have? Does he have to have a degree? Does he have to be ordained? What age does he have to be? Does it can it be a he or she? Does he have to uh, have? Uh, be a particular, you know, does it have to be a particular ethnicity? Are we looking for, has he been a senior pastor? And if you have that long list, I'm assuming we did that at Highway as, as well.
0: Yes, part of, part of the binder, it had, there's, there's, a, there's a different uh, tools that you go through and one of them is deciding, you know, trying to figure out what it is, what's your culture and what are you looking for? And there's a lot of questions, questions in there that you answer as a board. Uh, in addition to that, we sent out a survey uh, to the whole body. We were talking earlier about communicating. This is one one thing. There's certain things board members. There's things that happen inside the boardroom that stay in the boardroom. It's confidential. It's not secret. It's confidential. There's a difference there. Okay. So there's things that stay in the in the boardroom that are confidential that aren't necessarily shared or supposed to They're be shared with the body. But there are times when you need to go to the body. You need to involve them in. Thing, they need to feel, our, our body needed to feel that they were a part of this process. So we put together a survey where we asked them for their input. We sent out a, a, mailed a survey out to them, they mailed it back. We, we put all the uh, responses together, put it all into a spreadsheet, and, and, and got, and it was amazing. Uh, you know, for the most part, every, we all came down to certain non negotiables, or, you know, we didn't call it that, but there were things we were looking for in a pastor, a shepherd was, was top of the list. Uh, there, so there, there were things that this is what we're looking for and it was great that we involved the body with it. I mean, they really, you know, being a part of that was huge, was huge for the success of this whole process for us.
2: It, it really was because we needed the body to buy into the process too, just because we had read the manual and had been given such, you know, good leadership. The body had not had near as much of that. And so when we went to the body, that was a big part of it, to make sure that they knew they were part of the process and bought into it.
3: Any questions? Right here. And I see one right there.
4: Um, we kind of went through the same thing in our church, through a transition like that and uh, split of the church, a lot of hurt. So sort of the same thing, close to the same time. My question is, it's a little bit off. Now to move on from that transition and go into the next, the next phase
1: of what you're doing? Well, I, I think the, the answer to that question uh, the question and was, what the, do you do yeah, to move on? Just, the yeah, the questions question questions was, now questions. that you've kind of come through that transition, what do you move, do to move on from that? Uh, a couple things that are key. Here's I'm back to the interim pastor. It was set up so that the next guy who came could move on. Before I ever got into the building, they had already st- started discussing the things that we have to do to reach new families and how much money that was going to cost. And so the interim pastor set it up for the next guy. That was a huge process. And then I felt like I had, two, I had a two-pronged uh, agenda when I came to uh, Highway. My first agenda um, in leading before, before making decisions was learn, was learn the process. And, and then these men uh, that were on the board had already been set up, and uh, we just now practice the things, I hope we practice the things that we lost in the process. Communication, uh, uh, respect, involvement in the process, uh, and we started making little wins. We tried to, I remember the first board meeting was, what's going to give you the most mileage, pastor? Let's do that. What will give us the most mileage to make the church feel like we're moving forward." but we get a win and we trust you. So we tried to set up little wins along the way. Let's do this, let's do that. Uh, you know, it had to do with some building renovations and things like that.
2: You know, that. now that you mentioned that, that was uh, one of uh, Pastor Roden's things, uh, was get a win for the church. Uh, one of the things that happened uh, when, when the board was down to just three is uh, we did not make missions payments for two months. And as a board and as a church, we committed to paying that. And so we were able to announce last Easter that we paid, raised and paid the the first month, and then at our uh, missions convention in October, we were able to announce that we paid the second month. And to us, that was a big thing, because we felt that as a church, we were committed to doing the right thing.
0: Just another little win along the way. I I, I think it started for us, I, I guess I can't overstate it. We, you have to make sure that the 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 man or the woman of God that you're bringing in is who God has for that for your church. That makes a huge difference. If there's division in the in the in the boardroom of who you're bringing in, you're going to have the same issues you had before. Um, we were so sure that Pastor Gary was who God had for Highway Tabernacle. That that was number one.
2: Pa- painfully for obvious. For I us. mean, we knew. Yeah. We knew,
0: and and, and, I, and I will tell you it came down to two two candidates one of the, the other candidate was a very dear friend of ours that served at the church years ago and came back, and the body loved him. It was an easy win for us just to bring him in and make him and we had people tell us after he came in saying there 's our guy." We actually had a board member uh, when that when that <coughs> pastor came in and spoke and then met with the boardroom when he left, and we were talking as a board. He said, you know what? This guy has everything we're looking for. Call the Florida guy. Tell him, forget it. We, we've got our pastor. And we knew the rest of us knew Nah, there's, there's, God has something. It, it wasn't that clear. It's a process. We've got to stay with that. And so we, we brought pastor in and it, and it was clear then to all seven of us that this is who God had for us. So that started it for us knowing. I
4: guess part of the, part of the question I'm asking too is how did you go about healing there probably might be some people who stayed but maybe were on the verge of leaving sure, and sure. still people there's still turmoil within yeah. the church so how did you go about the process of of or you know can you can you put it into words how you went about the process of, of healing the hurts of that, that, that happened before and then moving on from
0: that i guess a more so your question is how can we, how did we work through the hurt and work through the, the from from before and bring it into the new into the transition it's 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 there you know it, it's it, it's something that we had to deal with pastor benson pastor Roden, that whole process helped us work through that um... we made sure we were that the the body felt that they were able to come to us at any time and talk about it uh, We had to regain that trust. That's that's the biggest thing. We we had lost trust in in our shepherd, and
2: this this man right here, he would talk to anybody who had a question, would not uh, give up any confidences. But Mark Mark was the man. He talked to anybody who had a question. Anybody.
4: So so Pastor, would you say that love was a big thing for you to uh, to just show the people that you love them?
0: Shepherd.
1: Sure. Uh, it was, I feel like we, we just started moving slowly. I think we, we sort of letting the body, the wounds heal from the inside out. And we just, uh, Dr. Dr. Roden had begun the process of restoring trust and love and, and he set it up for the next guy. I know we're back to the interim pastor, but I can't overstate the value of that. When I got there, it was already set up. All I had to do was just walk walk through the doors that were open. It was very there, helpful to us.
0: There were some, you know, there, I, don't, I don't want to discredit the, the former pastor. There were some, some positives there. Very positive. But the one sure. thing that, that he, 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 it wasn't his strong point was shepherding. Mm-hmm. And we needed, that was the one thing. And we didn't realize how much we missed it until we got, Pastor Roden first was the mm-hmm. first one we got. It was like, wow, so this is what a shepherd is like. And then, you know, and he Pastor Gary. It. So, I mean, the shepherd is huge. Huge, for winning that over and winning the trust of people. We had you know, and that takes time. Another question right here. During the transition time as a
5: board, uh, in your interim pastors, did you have a lot of congregations saying, why don't we hire this one? One of these interns. We love
0: you. you well, okay. Uh, the, the question was, you know, during the transition we had the interim, was there was – there, uh, church members coming to us and asking us, why don't we hire this this interim? Uh, <laughs> probably everyone that came in with Pastor Benson had started and then Pastor Roden, and, you know, we loved them. I, again, because it was different from what we had had, we fell in love with every interim pastor that came in there, and you did have people coming and saying, you know, we need to hire this guy. And they, when we needed to tell them they're, they're an interim and explain the process. And that's where Pastor Roden and Pastor Benson, they made sure that everybody knew. They were just here for a time. But it was, it's very easy to fall in love. And that, that's the fear of our youth pastor, not making sure that we didn't put him up in front too much because we didn't want people falling in love with him if he was never really a serious candidate. And he was so young and didn't have a—we we, couldn't—we didn't want to set him up to fail. So you, you had to be careful with who you put up there.
3: And again, you know, and, and I'm aware of the situation that my brother speaks of, but uh, for us as a network, uh, our our rule of thumb is that the interim cannot be considered as a lead pastor. Okay, now over the last eight years, 140-plus transitions in that eight years— we've probably had around five interims that have become the pastor of the church. It can happen. It right? can happen but our, our, we say to a group, you know, your interim cannot. We say to an interim, you know, as an interim, you know, uh, the rule is that your policy is that you can't be considered as a pastor. Uh, our our thing is, this, this is what we call the perfect storm. Uh, if, if an interim is serving and... Four, five, six months into it, the board begins to say, man, we really feel this guy is the pastor. Separate from that, the interim begins talking to me and saying, John, I just can't get this church out of my heart. I mean, I, don't know, I didn't come here for this reason, but I, you know. And then we take those two unrelated conversations to Superintendent Wooten and just say, hey, what do you think about this? And so there are those isolated times when it does happen, Uh, And I'll tell you, uh, the five that I know in my head right now, it's 50-50. A couple of them have worked out pretty good. A couple of them were train wrecks, you know,
1: so. Uh, The last thing I'd like to leave, and I I know we're getting close, is just this little process that I think to me is a lifesaver for the election of a new pastor. Uh, Here's the process that, and and I didn't make it up, uh, but I got the privilege of walking through it. One, here's what, here's what they did for us, and this is how we adopted it at the church we left. Um, you invite the, the pr- prospective pastor in for what Dr. Roden calls a discovery weekend, a no-pressure weekend. Come in, preach. If God speaks to you in their heart, then you can have further conversation about the process. But it's a no-pressure weekend. That no-pressure weekend is when the goose dropped on us. Uh, so the pressure weekend kind of opened the door. But it got, us, got our feet on the geography, you know, on the ground where we, uh, where we might potentially be, and it worked. So uh, a no-pressure uh, weekend, that was the first, first part of the process. Then, then after that, if the hearts are stirred, then you, you begin the process. The next process was an official uh, uh, interview with the board. Now, for us, that one board interview gave us enough information that we felt like our hearts were stirred. But here's the thing that I think uh, I I thought was foolish when they told us was what we're doing. And I agreed to it, but I thought it was foolish. And boy, was I wrong. When we came in for the weekend, we'd met with the board and they, they agreed. Uh, you know, they felt like God was calling us and we felt like God was calling us. Of course, the church still has to vote you in. So we come in on Friday, and what Dr. Roden had set up and got all together was on Friday night, uh, I think we met with the board, but then on Saturday, we met with all the different leaders of the, all the different, uh, anybody connected to children's ministry, youth ministry, we had different interviews, and they could talk with us. Here's what happened. All of their questions got answered. All of their worries uh, got dealt with before the next morning when I preached, and the next morning when we preached, they actually got ministered to, and the and the it was more of a celebration than it was a dog and pony show. Is he good enough? Is he not good enough? Is he too long winded? Is he too short winded? And uh, the vote was uh, it was a, it was obvious unity. Oh. After that. The church that we left in Venice, I told him. I said, I know it sounds foolish, but do this process. They did the process. We had been there 18 years, and the guy that followed us, who's there now, his, this Sunday was his last, his first Sunday, and uh, he was elected 99% uh, because that process works. A discovery weekend, uh, an interview, then that, uh, what do you call those words? Candidate, A candidate weekend where you do that then it makes the vote work. I'm telling you, it was a great process. Anything else?
3: Okay, we're going to go ahead and wind this down. I want to make an announcement. Uh, Some of you heard this in the last session I was in, but our network conference is in May. It's in Bowling Green, Ohio. Uh, And uh, we're adding to our network conference. uh, Monday afternoon is our golf outing. And uh, we're inviting board members to join us for the golf outing. And your pastor and church will be getting more information about that. And then Monday afternoon at 4 o'clock, we're going to have a pastor board dinner. And Dr. George Wood, our general superintendent, is going to be addressing the pastors and board at that dinner. And Again, you'll be getting more information through the mail at your churches, but uh, we, we, we want to give back to our, our, our board members, our lay leaders, and we want to remind you that at all of our network conferences, uh, the largest group of delegates really is laity. Now, again, on paper, Because every general council church is able to send two lay delegates to our conference. Every network church is able to send one network delegate. Normally, we don't have that. We just have a handful of delegates from the lay ranks. The Pastor Wooten and our network, uh, we just want you to be a part of this. And many times we fear, where's our movement going? You know, what's going to be happening in 20 years? Well, it's a great opportunity if you give voice. Where our movement is going by participating in our network conference, and that's May 19, 20, and 21. That's in Bowling Green, Ohio, Day Spring Assembly. But on Monday specifically, we're having a couple targeted activities that are inviting board members to join us a golf outing and a special dinner that evening, four o'clock. The reason it's four o'clock is because our service that night starts at 7:30. We want to give time for travel back and forth to motel rooms and so forth. So, any closing comments? Okay, God bless.